we promised you part two of Kenny's story, and it does not disappoint. From panic attacks to belly rubs to starting his own business, Kenny takes us through his amazing journey of adjusting to life in China to, again, eventually own becoming his own boss. And we are excited for you to hear his journey. So without further ado, here's part two of Facing Fears, The Decision to Move Abroad. Well, take us through that. I mean, some of my questions were you kind of hit on just what are those intersecting identities that you have to deal with here in America? And then you take them to a location that, I mean, is so very different than many of those, those identities. And how, how was that navigating your time abroad, especially in those beginning months? I mean, Take us through that experience in terms let, of let, let, me, let me breathe in and yeah, culture shock and when I tell you oh. that first year and a half was some um oh. what's a word I can use that you won't have to bleep that first year and a half was some bullduggery okay <laughs> uh, I arrived in China <laughs> after flying for fifteen hours on a plane the longest flight I'd ever been in on my life. <laughs> in my life. And uh, the last two hours of that flight, there was like a 30 minute panic attack in the middle of that flight. I had a complete and total panic attack. And I was just like, oh my God, 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 I'm still in the plane. Am I ever going to see land again? When are we going to land? Oh my God. Like I was freaking out very much so internally. Because over the years, I've learned to school some of those negative emotions. But on the inside, I full-blown panic attack. And then, like, I finally got myself calmed down. I landed. Now, I was supposed to meet my new boss and supervisor in the airport. I get through customs and everything. You know, the first part of that was cool. It was cool. I exchanged some money, which was stupid. I'll never do that again. I'll never exchange money at an airport. But I didn't know. I'd never done this before. Because uh, <laughs> you will be ripped off. Yeah. Um, and so then they were late. <laughs> I had no phone, no internet, and oh, all I, I I only knew what the supervisor looked like. Yeah. And this chick had changed her hairstyle in between the time, so I didn't recognize her at first. <laughs> they were an hour and a half late picking me up from the airport. Yeah. So we get there. No. I'm shaking hands. I'm doing my normal American professionalism. And they're a little weirded out by the handshake. And I can tell it. I was like, I don't know what to do different. Here we go. Now, the supervisor spoke English. Not as good yeah. as she thought she spoke it, but she spoke it. And the boss, the owner of the company, who, as it turns out, is not the owner of the company, but we'll get to that mess later. Um, she spoke some English. So we get in the car and we're okay. driving back because I flew into Shanghai, but I was working in Nantong and Nantong's about um two hours away from Shanghai. So we drove back during the drive because, you know, I was hungry. I hadn't really had anything since we got off the plane and they gave me a, a moon pie, moon cake. Sorry. My first experience with the infamous moon cake. Oh, yeah. 
If you do not know what a moon cake is, beautiful audience, they come in many different um, flavors, shapes, style. Some of them have feelings, some of them don't. But the primary ingredient is this bean paste. And it is disgusting and horrible. Yes. And it tastes like you're chewing on cardboard. <laughs> and they gave me this and I bit it because I'm like, oh, well, thank you. You know, and I'm being kind. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't really want to bite this, but here we go. It has the consistency of homemade Play-Doh. And I bit it and my tongue went, no, no. But my 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 professional <laughs> face was like, Kenny, just swallow it. Just swallow it. It'd be okay. So I did. Anyway, we arrive in Nantong. They they take me to where I'm going to be staying. Now, the pictures they sent me of this apartment were nice. I get to this apartment. Mm -hmm. A, it's a studio apartment. So there's just oh, one gosh. giant room and a bathroom. The bathroom was the best part of the apartment. Yeah. There was no refrigerator. Yeah. There was no microwave. There was no TV. There was no place to cook. There was a sink in the middle oh, of a wow. small counter with some cabinets. There was one weird, weirdly built closet, a table, and a bed with a mattress that was so thin I didn't know what to do. I ended up falling in love with that thin mattress. It's actually really good on my back, but that was a hot mess. And it was dirty. The room was so dirty. There was dust everywhere. There was dirt all over the floors. The counters needed to be wiped down. It was dirty. And I'm like, I just finished flying. Like my oh, actual God. travel, I flew from North Carolina to Chicago. Spent the night in Chicago at the airport, got on a plane in the morning, and then flew. And now I'm at this place. So this oh, is gosh. almost an entire day later. I'm standing in the middle of this filthy tell apartment. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus be a broom. Jesus. Jesus be a washcloth. Jesus. <laughs> I had so I had rags and I had towels with me so I'm using my washcloths to clean because I can't I could not lay down oh, up in gosh. this place oh, no. as filthy as it was especially because it wasn't my filth you know it's one thing to lay in your own filth it's completely different to lay in someone else's you know uh right the very next day was my first day at work I had to be at work at nine o'clock in the morning the very next day now, oh Paul, gosh, the next day that wasn't even legal yet. I shouldn't have been wow. at work yet, but anyway. Um, so I had to be at work the very next morning at nine a.m. So I wake up, I get dressed up, I put on my dress shoes, my slack, a nice polo, and I walk to work. I left my house an hour early for a ten-minute walk because I didn't know exactly how to get to the school. It took me 40 minutes to find the school. <laughs> yes! I walk in the door. I am informed oh that I am overdressed. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. It's good. Tomorrow I will come dressed down. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, in my head, okay, this is the first day. So we're going to do orientation. We're going to go over the rest of the paperwork I need to do. We're going to do ABC. No, no. I sat around doing nothing for three hours. Then I went to lunch. When I came back from lunch, I was assigned to my first Chinese assistant teacher, Dora. She was a wonderful woman. She was too shy. And me and Dora's time together, I taught Dora how to stand up for herself. <laughs> um, we spent oh, Dora. 30 minutes going over a lesson that they wanted me to teach the same day. They gave me a TOTS class. Bunch of three and four year old kids. There were five kids in my first class, and they gave me some stuff and said, basically, figure it out and teach it, and the parents are going to be watching you. And then threw me to the wolves. And that was my introduction oh, to gosh. teaching in China. Um, wow. Business wise, the world is very different here than there. Communication here is the biggest problem. Uh, no one communicates. If you find out something, it's at the last minute mm. on a regular basis. And that was just considered how things go. And at that time, I was like, wow, this just must be this company. I have since learned that that's all the companies. Uh, <laughs> that communication is just not a strong point. <laughs> and taking responsibility for things. Uh, treating you like you're less than human at times, like my first year and a half, I, it was a mess working there. Um, I spent most of my time working for this first company, the first two months doing nothing. I only taught the TOTS class and that was it. And they had another foreign teacher at the time and she was teaching her butt off. She was teaching all the other classes I wasn't teaching. And she was running around all the time. They never put me to work. What? So after about two months, I got sent over to the adult department. I'm still teaching TOTS, but now I'm allowed to teach adult classes. So now I'm working mostly for the adult center. And I love it. I'm working. The communication was so much better mm. than at the kids center. Um, but I'm still having to do things with the kids center. Right. Uh, the dancing monkey stuff, demo classes and going to the mall and mm -hmm. singing and whatnot. And the promotional yes. poster that they made for me once I got to the adult center. Um, oh my God. In China, uh, there is this obsession when it comes to advertisements of near perfection. Right. So I am a fat man and I am chocolate. I am beautiful chocolate. When you look at the picture they created for me, <laughs> it looks like a bobblehead. And this giant head, and they were so busy trying to make me look less fat that they made me look strange. And then the color on my face and the color of the skin <laughs> on my arms, different. They lightened my complexion like nobody's business. But my arms, they only lightened a little bit. So it was like chocolate meets, oh uh, God, 
meet meet pantyhose. It was like, what in the world are you people doing? It was, and they blew it up humongous and put it in the middle of the lobby. So, uh, it was adjusting to oh those gosh. concepts, adjusting or, or and and teaching them that um, you hired me as a teacher. I'm not just stupid. A lot of the companies, they look at their foreign teachers as just showpieces. They never realize sometimes that they're actually teaching things. They're doing what you want them to do. Mm. They have brains. If you involve them in on the meetings, if you involve them in on the plannings, they can help. My first job taught me to say that out loud. And it got to a place at the adult center where I looked at my supervisor mm. and I was like, look, I'm a teacher. I have more experience teaching and more degrees than anyone else in this building. I'm not dumb and I'm not useless. Use me. I'm here. I work here. Let's have meetings. Let's talk about what we're doing. I can help. I was like, instead of you guys doing these things and then you bring them to me and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. If you involve me from the beginning, we don't have to do that. You've wasted money. You've wasted steps. You've created all these textbooks and now you've given them to me mm -hmm. and I'm going through it. I'm like, that's not right. So now you wasted all this money creating material that you can't use when you could have just come to me in the beginning and I could have helped you. Yeah. Right. There's that disconnect of thought process. And so my first hmm. couple of months, it was this battle between how is this actually working in this professional realm and what does it mean? And I can't get angry because that does not work. And I can't get sad because then they think they can run you over because you can't just be complacent. If you're complacent, oh, my God, things will go awful for you. So you have to find your middle ground to figure out how to get that put together. And then you're out trying to meet friends because at this point you have no one to talk to. All of your coworkers speak Chinese. And a lot of the co-workers at these centers are afraid to talk to the foreign teacher because yeah. they don't want to lose face. They don't want their, it to be found out that their English is not as good mm. as they think it should be. Right? That would make them lose face. So they won't talk to you. Mm. <sighs> mm -hmm. Unless you make them. <laughs> or you get them to warm up to you, Right? And so now you're trying to make friends and, and especially in my first city, a lot of the people I'm meeting, alcohol was like the center of everything. I, you know, I lived in a small town. There wasn't a lot to do, but there were lots <laughs> of bars. There was a lot of alcohol. And at that point in my life, yeah. me and alcohol, we were friends, but we weren't best friends. Like I would talk to her every now and then, you know, we weren't like going out all the time. In my first couple of months, I had more alcohol <laughs> than I've had in my entire time in China. <laughs> because that was where you met people. 
that was where you hung out. <laughs> that was where you heard English. And in the beginning, I was just hanging out by myself. I'd go to this mm. bar that was near to my house, and they had an English singing band and Western food. And I'd go there, and I'd just hang out and listen to the music and chill by myself. And then I made a Chinese friend who we are no longer friends because it turned out he just wanted to be my friend because he thought I had money. Um, that's something you must be aware of. Um, I met my first foreign friends there and started to expand my life. Um, I will say mm-hmm. moving to the adult center was incredibly important as it turns out because I met someone who I consider my DD in Chinese is DD in English is little brother um Chinese guy uh oh. his English name is Roy mm-hmm. and Roy is my brother now and forever he is my my blood brother and he really helped me to navigate a lot of the problems I was having oh. to help me try to understand why this was this way, why that was mm. that way. Because China also taught Kenny that Kenny has an anger problem that Kenny did not realize he had. Oh. It is. It's a huge adjustment, though. Like, oh, I don't know for you, but it was like the pointing and Look, that. But that's what picture, that, that like wasn't I what I would get angry not, about. It, my my <laughs> anger problem had to do with work. Now, when it came to random crazy people on the street, mm. that was annoying. It only made me angry when they attempted to touch me. And what's funny is that stuff yeah. didn't start to affect me till I had been here a little while. And then I realized, oh, these people are taking pictures of me. Why are you taking a picture of me? Oh, oh, these people are pointing at me. I've had instances where I've been walking down the street and someone has seen me pointed at my belly and started laughing. Staring at me so hard. I am not an alien. What is happening? Or the fact that no one knows how to wait in line. That, oh my father, I, I, I'd been here for two months and yeah. I was going to the movies. Something else to adjust to. I'm used to going to the movies and paying at the movie counter. In China, you don't pay for the movie at the counter. You pay for the movie using an app. Because if you pay for the movie at the counter, your movie ticket is five times more expensive. Right? Like the first movie I went to here, I think it was Doctor Strange. I went by myself because that's what I do. And I paid 128 yuan for my ticket. Mm -hmm. When I told Roy, he was like, oh, if you would have done it online, it would have been 20 yuan. I was like, boy, you better teach me this mess now. Oh, oh my God. So, yes. So after the movie... (laughs) <laughs> I went to Burger King to have right. some food and I'm waiting in line. Now, Sharice, you've seen me. Audience, I am six foot tall, mm-hmm. okay? A good 300 pounds. Okay? <laughs> you are not not going to see me. And I'm the only <laughs> black person in the area, okay? You're not not going to see me. I'm standing in line. These people walk up and they just stand in front of me. One guy started off standing behind me and then he just decided to 
try to get in front of me to the point that I was like, now I know I'm standing here. I know you see me in this line following the rules. I'm behind this yellow line. I can say, what are you doing? And they are ordering. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I, had, I pushed myself back in front of the one guy. And I was like, what are, is going on? And that is a constant thing that has happened the entire time I've been there. Like, waiting in lines is just not something that happens here. Right? <laughs> mm. And then, like, yeah, the staring is so crazy. <laughs> because you will look at people and say, oh, no, don't take my picture. And they will sneak and try to take it. And it is amazing. Girl. Yeah. It is amazing to me how much yeah, other Chinese people who don't do quick. it don't realize yeah. this happens all the time. When I went to do my health check, I was talking to there's uh, one of the other teachers was with me. Really nice girl. She talked to me. It was great. We were becoming friends. And she went with me to do the health check. And um, which side note, before you come to China, you have to do a health check, which costs you about $600. Then you get to China and you have to do another health check. Girl, mm -hmm. I didn't have any insurance or anything. What? Exactly. Um, and then you get to China, you do another one. So anyway, whatever. Oh, okay. I go to do the health check, and there's a. I was talking to her about people just touching my stomach like it's okay. And she's like, Kenny, no one touches your stomach. I just can't believe that happens. Mm -hmm. The soon as she said it, this dude... <laughs> In the line we're in, reaches out and touches my tummy. <laughs> and I was like, see? All the time. And she's like, oh, my God. And then she no. tells the man to stop touching me in Chinese. She's like, you know, and I'm standing there. It's like, all the time. And she's like, I just can't believe it. I never seen it happen. And then six months later, yeah. I went on my first adventure in China with a friend of mine. <laughs> who I am still friends at, with. I was at his wedding and spoke at his wedding and whatnot. Um, Sam is his English name. And we went to Suzhou. Oh. And, no, sorry, Yangzhou. We went to Yangzhou together. And he took me to this cool cultural park because okay. I like craft like that. And we were walking through it and people are taking pictures. People are trying to stop me to get me to pose. People are staring at me. And he's like, Kenny, you should be charging these people money. He was like, I yeah. didn't realize how he's because I would tell him about it. And he again would be like, OK, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he spent a day with me and he goes, Kenny, how do you do this? This is annoying. He's like, just being with you. I want to curse people out. That was also the day that Sam taught me how to curse in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> there was oh. one point in the day where this family of Chinese people surrounded me and Sam at a at a um a podoga, a podoga pushed Sam out the way so that they could get around me to have a family photo oh my god yes I'm sorry this is literally one time I was at a park and this like the kid is screaming like this dad yes. is in, like, yes. in, it, it is his main priority to have his daughter take a picture with me. And I'm like, sir, 
I made my way here by myself. This family adopted me and led me to this park. Like, I made it here. And I just want to look at the water. And yes. hear you and your yes, I have baby. I just could not. Oh, my God. Exactly. Oh, my God. I have been through the screaming babies. I have had students ask me, girl. are you dirty? <laughs> and I'm like, why do you think I'm dirty? They're like, well, your skin is so dark. And I was oh, like, gosh. oh. Oh, baby. I paused the whole class and I said, everyone put their hand in the middle of the table. And I said, do you see how all of your hands are different colors? I was like, look, see, this hand is darker than that hand. I said, this is just our skin color. It doesn't mean it's dirty. It's just a different skin color. It means that my skin is a little darker than yours and we come from different places that's all that's all I was like I take a shower every morning just like you and that's also when I learned that a lot of those children didn't take showers every morning but anyway uh, <laughs> I said I take showers every morning I'm very yep. clean yeah. I said, this is the color of my skin uh -huh. all over my body and my mother her color is a little darker than me but my grandmother is a little lighter than me I was like, now look, think about your family. It's all of your family, the exact same color. Think of heart. No. Well, see, then we're all just different colors. And that's okay. And that's how I address that bull. Because that was not the first time. And I'm pretty sure it, well, I don't teach mm -hmm. kids anymore. Uh, so, but I'm still sure it happens out there in, in, all the time. Um, but you know, so you have that kind of issues, and then we have different hair. Oh yeah, and so they want to touch your hair because it's different than their hair, and they want to stare at it. And I feel sorry for black women, especially black women who have any kind of braid in their hair. It's like a <laughs> magnet. It's like <laughs> yeah, the easiest way to learn the words "real" and "beautiful." Get your hair braided. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, it's real. Yes, yes. Oh, so, like getting that, and then also just the concept of yes. trying to make friends with local people and learning those traditions. You know, in America, we have 21 million holidays. In China, there are four or five holidays, and only yeah. two of them are actually really, really <laughs> celebrated in like a way that is um, compatible to how we would celebrate a holiday. <laughs> so, Doom Sweeping Day, that, that, that's not, there's no comparison. You know, mm. Dragon Boat mm -hmm. Festival, there's no comparison. But, you know, Spring Festival and Fall Festival, there's a comparison. Yeah. And how they celebrate those. And that's the yeah. only time you really get off here. Like, yeah. understanding that your Chinese coworkers have a six-day work period or work week and you're only working five you know but on those yeah. five days you're working all the time understanding that there's no you're off work mm -hmm. you can still get a message at 10 o'clock at night and they expect you to answer it you can get a message on your off day and they expect you to answer it mm -hmm. right it's those small adjustments that are required so those first couple of months, 
for me were very interesting. Um, and the food, adjusting to the food. I am not someone who, I, I can't eat spicy food. Mm. And spicy food is everywhere here. Like spicy food is the food. Okay. And so sometimes it's hard for me to um, find food that I like to eat. And it's hard for me to explain to my Chinese friends, I can't eat spicy. Those first couple of months when I was making new relationships, most of them I still have till this day, mm. like they would order things and they would be like, oh, it's just a little spicy. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, what part of I can't eat this are you not understanding? Because they, they have a tendency to, if they think it's stupid or if they think it's not important, they just knock it off to the side and, and then they'll giggle about it. And, and then you have to really explain, mm. I can't do this for them to understand. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, and the whole attitude changes, but you have to go through that to get to that. <laughs> oh, this <point>. is real. <laughs> mm. I think that about sums it up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could go on for days. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh my gosh. But I did want to mm. touch a little bit and because now I know you're not teaching anymore, like in the classroom. And so can you yes. talk to us about what, what it's yes. like to you have your own business now? You are also a fellow podcaster. And yes. Yeah, so tell us about both of those um Features and what it was so, like starting um, up a, the business. I'm hard headed in a, a different okay? country. I'm hard headed and I'm bold. I I don't have tolerance uh -oh. for a lot of dumb mess for too long. I just can't do it. So I left my first company after a year and a half because they just lied to me. They just lied to me too much. I couldn't do it anymore. Moved to another company. Left that company after six months. Seven of us mm -hmm. walked out at the same time. Because they cheated us out of money and oh, wow. it was a bunch of lies. Started a new job. Wow. Was there full time for three months and they went out of business. <laughs> and I'm screaming at the heaven, what is happening? Oh, <laughs> then I uh, end up getting another job, which is how I ended up in Nanjing. <laughs> and I'm thinking everything is good. A year later, I find out there was some uh, okay. monkey wrenches in the works. And it was it got to the point where I either needed to find a new job or just figure something else out. And when it happened, I was just like, I can't keep working for other people if I'm going to stay in China. I was like, if things are going to be messed up and I'm going to have to pay the price for it being mm -hmm. messed up, then at least let me be the one who did it. You know, so at that point, I was like, maybe I should just leave. Maybe I should leave China. <laughs> Not that I was going to go back to America, but like I had opportunities to go to other countries, to go to other. I was like, maybe I should just leave. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to leave. I, I like my home. I like mm -hmm. it here. I've built up some great stuff. I'm doing some good work. You know, what what should I do? And I was talking to my boss and my boss at the time was trying to figure out how to keep us together. Um, I really liked working with him. I liked working for his company. Things with us were really, really good. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in his office and I was just like, you know, 
if I had my own business, I could just kind of do what I wanted to do. And that would just be better. Maybe I should figure that out or something. And he goes, you want to have your own business? I said, yeah. I said, I wouldn't mind running my own business. I said, I got the experience for it. I could do it. I can figure it out. I said, I spent my entire time in China, like bathing in Chinese law and procedures and figuring out all the stuff that they don't tell you or teach you about. And I, you know, for years, I've been advising other foreigners in their problems that they're having with contracts or with uh, paperwork or anything else. So I know what to do. And yeah. he's like, well, why don't we get you your own business? He paid the money to do the opening paperwork for my business. Is it correct that you foreigners cannot own their own business in China? Originally, that's what we thought okay. too. Um, and we hired an agent. Uh, there are agents everywhere. Okay. And it, if you're going to open a business, you're going to need an agent to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And so we hired an agent to help us set the business up. And they're just like, just set up a business for him. It's his business. That's what you want. And we were both like, yeah, but we didn't think we could do that. And they were like, yes, just it's your business. Mm hmm. It's just a matter of creating your business scope oh. because with everything that's in your business scope, there are certain requirements. There are certain things you can't do as a foreigner. Um, and there are plenty of things you can. And then there are certain licenses that come along okay. with different parts of your scope. So I have two additional licenses on top of my business license. Um, for the pieces in my scope for my business. So he paid okay. for that, that initial startup and, you know, I'm paying for okay. everything else. Um, but now I have my own business and my business is a consulting and management company. So I help, uh, I do mostly business English things. I help people prepare for uh, trips abroad uh, for work. Um, mm -hmm. I help uh, students who are doing mm -hmm. TOEFL, IELTS, okay. SAT. Uh, they're non-compulsory English, and they need those to go abroad. I help with that. I help with applications. I help with advertisements and mm -hmm. uh, teaching people memo and letter writing, um, communication in English as a whole. Uh, I help uh, in some aspects. I do a little recruiting. I try not to do too much recruiting because mm -hmm. I am very picky about which companies I work with because I'm not working with a company who has no honor. I don't do companies who have racist practices. But there are a lot of mm. companies here who they want to hire a foreign teacher, but they must be white because mm -hmm. white is the standard of gold. Especially if you have blue eyes and blonde hair. Oh, my yeah. God. But anyway, back to the point. Uh, okay. So with that kickoff, I opened my own company. And I'd made a lot of connections. So what I was doing before, I was helping students go to school abroad. So now I can still do that as a consultant. So I'm still helping with IELTS and TOEFL and uh, SAT and applications and working through and helping students go abroad, helping students get into the universities yeah. they want to, not by um, 
just telling them what to say, but by teaching them how to say it, how to do it, what to do, you know? So many students, they just try to find the easy route. They think if they throw enough money at it, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Then they get to America and they flunk out in the first year. Or they get to England or they get to Canada or wherever. And then a year later, they're Mm. flunked out. And it's cost them so much money because it's so much money to go to school Mm -hmm. abroad. And now you've wasted all this money because you want it the fast, quick way. And with my uh, customers, with my students, whatever you want to call them, I make sure that it's more than just let me teach you the formula to pass. Because I can do that. It's quite simple. Mm -hmm. But I need you to have the skills, the skills to take whatever I give you and use it. Your answers need to come from you. Yeah. Your answers need to come from how you use the language. Your answers need to come from your body. Because when you get to whatever country it is you're going to, if you can't actually speak English, if you can't actually understand when people are talking to you, then what have you done? You've just wasted time and money trying to do something easy. That's where the disconnect is. The disconnect is these parents and these students expect to be able to do this, not all of them, but there's a group of them, expect to be able to do this in like three or four months and just boom. No, that's not how this goes. It didn't take you just three or four months worth of work to get into university. So it's surely not going to take you just three or four months to be able to speak and to understand in a way that's going to help you understand what's going to come your way once you get there. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is severely missing from study abroad programs everywhere is an introduction to the culture you're going to. Mm. Not just this is what I saw in a movie. Yeah. Right? Because so many people here think that what they see in the movies is exactly the same. And I'm like, no. First of all, Americans eat more than fried chicken and burgers. (laughs) Okay? There's more food in the American, like, food genre than just a burger. All right? Like... There's more, there's so many more cultures in America than just white folk. Black yeah. people are American too, which yeah. is something I've had to explain many right. times. Right. And I'm like, but you listen to my music. You wear clothing inspired by African Americans, but you don't understand that African Americans are American. Just yeah. like there are. Chinese Americans and Mexican Americans. America is made of all these different people. So stop assuming that you see me and my skin is black, that I must be from Africa. And Africa is a continent, not a country. So why do you just keep saying I must be from? Where in Africa do you think I'm from? How about you try that? That would be a lot less insulting than you just saying I'm from Africa. Because you've insulted Africa. Africa is a continent a rich continent. So I want to jump back to your business and talk specifically about um, any specialized requirements that were needed to start the company. Uh, To be able to run my business itself. My business is not an education business. Okay. If it was education, oh my God, the licenses are, are crazy. Mm. Um, for me to be able to run my business, I had to show evidence that I have experience as a manager. Okay. And I had to have a degree 
and I had to get a consulting and a management license. Mm. But the agent company, the agency company I hired took care of my licenses for me. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. The, when you hire the agency company, they will take care of your licenses. Any other shortest answer I've given. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So outside of my own company, I also have my podcast. Yes. Tell us right? about this. I released the first episode of Mama K's Adventures in China. Again, that's <laughs> Mama K's Adventures in China. And on we'll January, link to it for yes, everybody. On January 5th, um, which is my great-grandmother's birthday. Oh. And I was trying to think of when I would release the first episode. And I was looking at the calendar, and I saw January 5th. It was a Sunday. And I was like, okay. January 5th, the first episode is going out. And every Sunday night, I will release a new episode. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, you know, it's very much so. The podcast is me. It's all me. Like, okay. if, if you know my personality, then that is who I am. It is very authentic. And I, in the podcast, I interview people who live in China from all different backgrounds, uh, Americans, Iranians, South Africans, Cameroonian, mm-hmm. uh, English, uh, Scottish, um, American, Mexican, Chilean, um, and Chinese, Japanese. Uh, I have interviews from people all different backgrounds, all different parts of the world, people who do who live here, people who are doing who are teachers, people who are engineers, people who are students. I have an interview coming up with a music producer who's just released a new album. It's Ooh. all about stuff that's happening in China and your experiences with China and how it has affected your life or not affected your life. What have you gone through? Some of the interviews are positive. Some of them are negative. Some of them are right in the middle, mm-hmm. which is the reality. The reality yes. is everything is usually right in the middle. And a lot of them, especially the ones with uh, local Chinese people, we really talk about the culture mm-hmm. and differences in the cultures. And I really enjoy it. Because for that, it's a, the podcast is usually about an hour long. And we really have some really great conversations. There's no plan for the interview. The mm-hmm. only part of the interviews that are planned are the last three questions. Oh, Everything else, I go where the interviewee takes me. Yeah. Because I want it to be very authentic to their journey. And it's real. there's no... The, the only goal of this podcast is to talk about living in China. That's it. Okay. Yeah. You know, so there's not like a, a specific niche or anything. It's just your life in China. Let's talk about it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, whatever. Let's talk about it. And I enjoy it. I love it. And it's been amazing how many people have been willing to be interviewed, um, how many people listen to it and they send me little side messages about different things or they relate to the things that people talk about. And I really enjoy doing the podcast. We are on nine different platforms. So, you know, Anchor, of course, and yeah. Spotify and 
Apple Podcasts and Breaker and Radio Public and Google Podcasts and blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> I advertise about it all the time on Facebook and on Twitter. Kitty, I am just so proud of you. I mean, and I know it's, you know, usually I'm interviewing people that I don't really know all that well, um, here lately at least. And I mean, this has just been so great. Like, I'm just so proud of you and all the things that you have going on. This is so exciting. Thank you, Riri. That, in all honesty, to be real serious, that means a lot to me. Like, I really look up to you and I truly respect you, you know, not just as a friend, but as a professional. And, you know, from that first moment we met when I came to interview for Project Heart as a graduate student and you had that serious face on <laughs> and you kept that serious face for the next two months. I didn't think you liked me very much. And, <laughs> and to now you've been an important figure in my life. And so this has honestly been my pleasure and I really appreciate it. Well, it was indeed our pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been stamped.